impacted for life. You know what we do, but what we do. And one thing I want to encourage dads and moms both to do this morning is to teach your children to be honest, to be honest. Can you say amen to that? We should teach what the scripture says about truthfulness, but we should also look for opportunities to live according to that standard of righteousness. How would God have me to conduct my business, to conduct my daily affairs, conduct my role as a wife, excuse me, as a husband to my wife, as a father to my children, and so forth, in the realms of honesty. True story, a number of years ago in the state of Georgia, the Bulldogs of Rockdale County High School overcame a huge deficit uh, to win the state basketball championship. Incredible occurrence that had never happened before in the history of the school, the Bulldogs of Rockdale High. The coach couldn't have been more proud of his team, but then a few years later, uh, coach, a few days later, excuse me, Coach Cleveland Stroud was watching the game films of the playoffs. He noticed that there was an ineligible player on the court, one of his guys, for about 45 seconds during one of the games. And the boy wasn't a starter. He wasn't really uh, instrumental to the success of the team. Uh, but nevertheless, he was on the court, and that was a violation. So Coach Stroud called the Georgia High School Association and reported the violation. It cost the school the title. It cost them the trophy. And when asked about it at a press conference, the coach said, some people have said that we should have kept quiet about it, that it was just 45 seconds, that the player really wasn't an impact player. But you got to do what's honest and right. I told my team that people forget the scores of basketball games, but they don't ever forget what you're made of and what you're made out of. And I want to tell you something. I believe every member of that team will remember that coach the rest of their lives. A letter to the editor of the local newspaper summed it up very well. It reads like this. We have scandals in Washington and cheating on Wall Street. Thank goodness we live in Rockdale County where honor and integrity are alive and being practiced. Amen. So if, uh, if you were to model some characteristics for your children and for your grandchildren, what would they be? Have you thought that through? Do you know exactly what you're trying to accomplish at home? What's your message of the message of your life for the boys and girls, the, the young men, the young women who are coming up in your family? Aren't they coming up at an astronomically fast rate of speed? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. My little grandchild, little Cohen, for instance, is my little Cohen. Cohen's our oldest grandson. He's 16 now. And I still remember him when he was this high. I used to pick him up and throw him around. I don't throw him around anymore. He's taller than I am. But to watch that happen in their lives is incredible. And to know that God would use us. To think, just think about it. God would use you, Nana. God would use you, Mimi, uh, to, to instill something in the lives of these little guys. To impart incredible truths to them. And every man under the sound of my voice who's a father or going to be a father or a grandfather, guys, you and I have the greatest opportunity in the world to shape these young minds and these young hearts and to bring change into their life and allow Jesus Christ to be a living reality to them. So I believe that such a plan 
to, uh, to model for your, your kids and your grandkids should begin, first of all, guys, with a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. How can I be a Christian father, a Christian grandfather, without, first of all, being a Christian? So this morning, I'm talking about the attributes, the characteristics, the value of a Christian father. The value of a Christian father. So, Pastor, do you think Christianity has any value nowadays? I mean, what's the difference between a Christian father and a non-Christian father? And, you know, the world's so evil and so many Christians doing so many bad things and it's like you can't tell the world from the church anymore. Listen, I don't want to get down there and talk about that with you right now. I want to just say there's an opportunity for you and I to lead our children in the ways of God. But first of all, we've got to have a born-again experience. You can't just walk down the aisle and shake a preacher's hand. You can't just fill out a piece of paper. You can't even be dunked in water or sprinkled or whatever it is you were, that happened in your life. No, that cannot change you. Only the blood of Jesus can change you on the inside and bring about what we call the new birth, a new birth. So it begins with having a personal commitment to Jesus Christ who will guide your steps in the day ahead. And unless you know him, your efforts to model righteousness will be inadequate. They will be hollow. They will come up short. I cannot model righteousness if I'm not righteous myself. Didn't say I was perfect. There's none of us perfect except the Lord Jesus. However, through his blood, we're made righteous. We're placed in right standing with God. And that's the only way that I can model and lead in right standing in righteousness is if I'm righteous myself. Amen. So... Let's look a little more closely at what constitutes a good family man in today's world. Number one, I want you to get born again. I want to say to you, you need to become a Christian father by becoming a Christian. All right? Number two, I want you to, to serve as your family's provider. To serve as your family's provider. There are four traditional roles that men have played at home. And the first is to serve as the family provider. Now, I realize that 75 years ago, or 50 years ago, even, it was a man's primary responsibility to be the breadwinner in the home. I understand that. This is less clear today, which is unfortunate, because through the, though the majority of, of wives and mothers are working outside the home, it is still a man's charge to assure that the financial needs of the family are met, that they're met. And I always tell couples in premarital counseling, I said, listen, guys, your wife has a need. She has your wife-to-be. She has an emotional need to know that you have a family commitment, that you will, you will take the steps that are necessary to support the family, that you'll financially support the family. And if you're not pleased with your income and it's not where you wish it were or what have you, go get some more education. Go search around. Ask God to open doors for you to increase and, and grow uh, your, your, uh, your, your career so that you can be more of a blessing even to your family. And so I tell them, I say, listen, your wife-to-be has an emotional need from you, my friend. And if you don't meet that emotional need, if you don't put out the effort, if you don't get the education, if you don't show that you're really working at it, that you're really striving at it, then she's going to look elsewhere to have that need met. And that's when things get dangerous in a home and in a marriage is when a, a, a spouse is not looking to the other partner for love and affection and all those things that are necessary. When you start looking outside the, the home, how many know that's when things get dangerous? All right? So first of all, the family provider. The family provider. 
You see, women find it difficult to respect a lazy man who lies around the house <laughs> and all he wants to do is drink beer, watch television, or do something that doesn't, doesn't add to the value of the family, doesn't add to the moral quality of the children, doesn't add to his leadership role as, as what a father and what a husband should be in the mind of the Lord and in the eyes of God. You see, God is our Father, yes, and He established this thing called the family of God, and He calls each of us to certain roles in the body of Christ. That We have God the Father, then we have Christ the Son, then we have the husband. Then under the husband, in leadership, we have the wife. And under the wife, we have the children. And under the children, we have the dog and the goldfish. I don't know how far you want to go with that, but there's a, there's a distinct structure of authority within the home. And it starts with us respecting one another and mutually submitting to one another as Ephesians 5.22 teaches us to do. Mutually submit one to another. That's, that's hardly ever done. You hardly ever see that. And then Paul goes on to teach in Ephesians 5 and 6. I don't have the, the time to get into that right now, but it's a great read whenever you want to take a look at it and refresh your mind in it. Listen, God has a plan for every husband, every father, every mom, every wife, there's, there's teaching, there's instruction. It's all found in the Word of God. If you're willing to dig it out, my friend, it's there for you. Don't go through life and say, well, nobody ever taught me how to be a Christian husband. The Word of God is full of how to be a Christian husband and a Christian father and so forth and so on. All right. So the second contribution a father should make uh, once he's born again, is to serve as the leader of the clan. The leader of the clan. Put that in your notes, would you? If you like, you can also go to our version. Um, go to the version app, and in there you'll, you'll find all the notes from our sermon today and all the bullet points that you're hearing and all the scriptures that are, you're hearing this morning. They're in there. You can follow along with me. You can read it later. You can send it to a friend. It's a new version, real easy to find. All the details, I think, are in your bulletin this morning on how to find all those notes. That's the written notes. Now, the, the message itself is being recorded right now, that camera. Hi, folks at home or wherever you are, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, I don't know what other platforms we're on this morning, but those are two pretty good ones. And so if you're watching us, we welcome you. In fact, let's just do this. We haven't done this in a while. Those of you who are out here in this room, let's make a little noise. They can't see you. Okay, they only can see me on the camera, but I want you to make some noise and let the audience know we appreciate them being there today. Would you do that right now? Come on, make a little noise. Yeah. Yes. Amen. You feel that welcome right there. That was all for you guys. So, so folks are watching, and you can share that, that uh, YouTube video. You can share that Facebook. Do you ever think about doing that? You're thinking, boy, Pastor really rung the bell today. He really knocked a home run. At least I hope you'll think that every once in a while. And, uh, and then to which I say, well, you know, even, a, even an old blind sow can find a, a, a nugget, a peanut every once in a while. I get one every once in a while. But if you, if you want to share that with a friend, it's so simple nowadays, electronically, on social media, to share those things. I know we're always sharing videos of kitty cats, and we're sharing, you know, recipes that we're sharing all kinds of things online why not take your pastor's message and share it with a friend amen that's good good preaching thank you very much all right so we're called then to be uh, to serve as the leader of the clan this role 
became highly controversial when, when the women's movement began to, to, to rise in the 60s and 70s. It was, but you know, before the 1960s, it was rarely challenged. Um, back in those days, we'd say two captains sink a ship. We'd say two cooks uh, spoil the broth. <laughs> well, let, me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. God has placed the headship in only one individual in the family, one in the home where there's a marriage, only one. God's placed headship with one. Anything with two heads is a freak. Remember when you were a kid, you'd go to the state fair and they'd have this old calf in there with two heads. I don't know if that thing was real or not. Sure looked real to me. I was like eight years old. My eyes were this big. It's a two-headed calf, Dad. Well, anything with, a, with two heads is a freak. And in marriage, if, there, if there's a two-headed leader, then it's a two-headed monster. Trust me. God places the responsibility of the home and the family and the marriage in the, in the man's hands. Now, that, that leads us to another point. What if I'm living uh, separate from my husband and I, I'm separated or divorced or, and I have the, the, I'm a single parent? What happens if I'm raising the kids? And I, there is no father figure. There's no, no daddy in the picture to, to give spiritual guidance. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> that is a no-brainer. That now falls your responsibility, ma'am. You're, you're not the husband, you're not the father, but you are next in charge. You're next in authority. You're next in God's chain of command to be the spiritual leader in the lives of those in your influence. So, so under Christ is the, is the husband, under the husband is the wife, and, and under the wife then comes the children. And by the way, let me just say this. Uh, I married Glenda uh, 43 years ago. And long after our children have left the home, she'll still be my wife. Did you hear that? And I will still love her and treat her with respect, and she deserves to be as, as, my, as my wife and the mother of my children. But I'm not going to allow my children, yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to allow my children to drive a wedge and get in between me and Glenda. That's never happened in our married life. It's never going to happen. In fact, we got married. Some of you know this. When we got married, Glenda had been married before. And so she had two daughters. And when we married, they were 8 and 10 years old. Now, you need to try this to see, see what happens. When you're 21 years old and you get married for the very first time, you get married on a Friday night, you go on a little vacation, you come back on Sunday night, and you have two children who, who now look to you and uh, you're their dad. Well, not their General, uh, not their biological dad, but you're the dad of the home. Uh, that is a challenge. And there were efforts through the years uh, on the part of one, probably both girls, to drive wedges. After all, they'd had mom by themselves for the last five years. Who does this guy think he is moving into our house? <laughs> Who does he think he is trying to tell me what to do? And so we, it was rocky. It was rough. Uh, it was rambunctious. It was rowdy for a time. But you know, we learned through that. I learned through that. Glenda learned through that. Hopefully the girls learned through that. They're now mothers of children of their own. And, and so there, there are going to be efforts. There's going to be, uh, if you already, haven't already figured this out, someone or somebody or something is going to try to separate you and cause your marriage to come apart. But listen, I married that woman for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, for in sickness and in health, till death do us part. That's, that's what I think about. That's what I think about her. 
And so I've seen it so many times, so many times, so many times, where children become more important than the spouse. And then when the children leave the home, there's no more, uh, no, no one else to, to invest all that time and energy and love and affection into, and we've neglected our spouse through these years. Listen, it happens more often than you want to think. People have been married long periods of time, and they'll separate, they'll get a divorce because once the kids are gone, there's nothing left. They've not built a relationship on their own. And to that, my friend, I say that's very, very sad. So become, serve as the leader of your clan, okay? The dad is to be the final arbiter on issues of substance, all right? Now, headship like this is not to be abused by selfish men who treat their wives with disrespect and they're abusive and they treat their children like, like dirt. That, that was never the way God intended this assignment to function. But the scripture, which seems to ordain this leadership responsibility for men, spells out their limits of their authority. Husbands are told to love their wives as their own flesh, being willing to give their lives for them. Wow. Give their lives for them. They're also warned not to treat their children harshly or inconsiderately. And that system generally has worked well for thousands of years since we've had it in the Bible and in the family of God. The third contribution made by father, number three, and I have four, is to serve as a protector. To serve as a protector. Fathers, it's a good idea to shield your family members from the outside world as much as you possibly can. Teaching them how to cope with life successfully. There's so many conflicts in, in our youth and in our childhood that if they're never resolved, we will carry them over into our adult lives. And often what we're dealing with um, with other adults is, is youthful conflict, stuff they should have dealt with when they were kids, stuff that someone should have helped them deal with as they were teenagers, but it never got resolved, it never was dealt with. And so they carry these, these things into their, into their adult years and they, they deal with things very immaturely. They deal with things with a lot of insecurity. They deal with things, well, they don't deal with things. They just don't deal with things. They, they'll get high rather than dealing with an issue. They'll run out and party with their friends rather than paying the, paying the bills, using that money to pay bills and so forth and so on. And the list just goes on and on when we don't deal with these issues while we're young while we're young. And so it's the responsibility of parents is to help children to, to cope with difficulty in a successful way. <clears throat> Being ready to lay our life on the line if and when they are threatened. If another man tries to abuse or insult my wife, trust me, I'm going to defend her honor. Don't you try it. Don't even go there. Is that right, guys? It's my responsibility to see that the house is safe at night and the children are home at a reasonable time. I know it sounds pretty old-fashioned, doesn't it? Right. Each member of the family felt a little more secure. They feel that way when dad's there. You know, mom could be dealing with these issues all day long and she says, you just wait till your dad gets home. You can just wait till your dad gets home. I've heard my mom say that more than once. And trust me, when dad gets home, everything settles down. Oh my, little Mickey put on his, his halo <laughs> until mama told daddy what Mickey had been up to that day. Then we got the halo broken. <laughs> I'm fortunate I was raised by one of the most incredible men you'll ever want to meet. 
And I know a lot of us have great dads. A lot of us not so great. Some of us never knew our dad. Some of us would rather have not known our dad. <laughs> so when we talk about fathers, I realize it raises a lot of emotions and we have a lot of different memories that go in a lot of different directions. But I was so fortunate. I have been so blessed to know my dad. And uh, he raised us in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Um, and because we feared the Lord, because we reverenced the Lord, we feared our dad. I never feared my dad in terms of it hurting me, beating me, being abusive. Never, never, never. But I did not want to break my dad's heart. I never wanted to, uh, to miss the mark and, and, and disappoint my dad. Whenever I'd done something wrong, I knew I was going to be punished for it. I knew I'd be disciplined for it. The greatest pain in my heart was to know I had disappointed my dad. And that's the only reason, just about the only reason tears would ever flow out of my eyes concerning my dad is knowing I had disappointed him. I'd let him down. He had this expectation for me, and I'd let him down. But my dad was an incredible guy. He was my mentor. He was my coach. He was my uh, number one uh, fan. And I remember as a young minister, I started out, um, Glenda and I married in 1978, and I was ordained in 1980 and went on staff full-time at our church here in Ada with my dad as the senior pastor, and I was his associate pastor. And I remember in those days, I, was, I had all the answers basically pretty much. I've learned through the years how few answers I really have. <laughs> I'm like one guy, he was, he was listening to a sermon on the, on the second coming of Christ. After the message was over, he walked up to the, the preacher, and the preacher said, well, what do you think? How would I do? And he said, well, I think you did a good job. He said, but you know, years ago I decided I wasn't going to be on the planning committee. I'd just be on the welcoming committee. <laughs> when Jesus comes back, I don't know about you, but I want to welcome him back. Amen. So, so you know, this is this is um, this is so uh, so wonderful. The, the dad I've had, and I thank God for the direction he gave us. Uh, I learned the scriptures at my dad's hand, and 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 the story I was going to tell you is when I started out preaching, and uh, was a young, impetuous guy. If it hadn't been for my daddy and my wife, I don't know where I would have wound up. They had so much patience with me, and she still does. Dear Lord knows, she still does. And um, one, one time my dad bought me a little plaque that goes in your office. And I was so proud of that plaque. I thought, man, this is great. And I looked at it. It said, panic thee not, cooleth it. <laughs> panic thee not, cooleth it. Because that's where I was. I was in the panic mode. Every time something went wrong around the church, I was like Barney Fife without a bullet in his pocket. And he's like, Ange, we've got to deal with this, Ange. <laughs> you know, old and, and Andy. You know how, how laid back Andy was. That's kind of like my dad. My dad was just like, son, it's all going to work out. And I said, oh, no, it's not. Dad, it's horrible. It's, it's going it's to all fall apart. And, and so I thank God for the patience my dad had, the leadership my dad had. And I want to pay honor to him on this, on this Father's Day. And I appreciate you allowing me to do so. Did I get the spiritual direction? Where am I at? Service protector. Okay, there we are, protect. Let's go to the fourth and final contribution made by an effective dad in the home. It's to provide spiritual direction at home. Spiritual direction at home. You may say, well, well, preacher, that's easy for you. You've got a lot more time in your day than I do. After all, you preachers don't do anything but work on Sundays and Wednesdays anyway. And uh, the rest of the time, y'all play golf and fish and stuff, 
And uh, I just don't have enough time to be the spiritual guide in my home. May I suggest to you, it doesn't take a whole lot of extra time to be the spiritual guide for a father. Once you've established the pattern, you've established, you've established the fact that you are the spiritual head. Okay? We don't do that by, by pushing our wife around. We don't do that by throwing our weight around. Spiritual authority comes, it's earned. It's not something you can tell somebody, hey, I'm the, I'm the pastor. Hey, I'm the head. Hey, I'm the leader in this home. Hey, I'm the dad. Hey, I'm the husband. Pay attention to me. Listen to me. No, that's not how it's done. It's not how it's done. Authority is not, uh, is not acquired like that. Spiritual authority is earned. Spiritual authority is earned when you're on your knees, when you're willing to pay the price, when you're willing to seek God, when, when it would be a lot easier to go do something else. When you're willing to sacrifice for God and for his people and to serve him and to serve his church. Listen, that's where authority comes from. And once you establish spiritual authority, I was able to guide my children for better or for worse, however they turned out. All four of my kids, I was able to guide them spiritually. And not, I didn't have to sit down with each of them an hour a day or anything like that. We, it was just part of our lifestyles. In the morning when we woke up, it was at mealtime. It was when they got in from school. It was in the evening time. There was instruction. There was training. And one of the things that helped us tremendously was to have our children in church. Now, some of y'all watching me this morning on that boob tube or on that uh, phone, and you're sitting there in your jammies and your robe and you're sipping a cup of coffee, and you're saying, man, these people don't know how good I got it. They, they had to get up and get dressed and get in a car and drive all the way out there. And they're sitting through that service. It's either too hot or too cold. He's too loud or he's too quiet. He's preaching too long or too short. There's got to be something wrong with all that out there. I'm just taking it easy. If you're sitting at home and you could be here this morning, shame on you for not being here this morning. There, I said it. That's how strongly I feel about the local church. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I didn't want to do anything. For years, I didn't want to do anything that would send our messages into people's homes for sake that people would neglect coming to church. That was always one of my thoughts in the back of my head. If I do that, there's people going to stop coming to church. Jeremy, they're just going to stay home and watch. But then along came COVID, and thank the Lord, we were up and going about a, a year or two before COVID, I think we really got rolling whenever we were doing the, the service, the satellite campus on 14th Street. Todd and Sandy and some other wonderful people. Chaz is up here leading today. I was thinking, oh, left-handed, yeah. I was thinking of you today, Chaz. I was thinking, you know, Chaz was a great worship leader over there on 14th Street. He's an incredible guy. I love that guy. Well, we kind of started our online services right around that time. And we, were, we were streaming the signal down there and so forth. And then along came the, the COVID mess. And it's been a real blessing when you can't have church or you, you can't get out. Some of us, I realize, work for, for companies and corporations. and Like, uh, for instance, the, the tribe. Uh, you guys couldn't get, out, get around people without a mask for the longest, longest time. And I understand that. Some of you had to miss church. And I understand that. But you know what? There are people at home right now, and you're using all kinds of excuses to not come to the house of the Lord when you used to come to the house of the Lord. And you don't have your children in church. That to me is a crying shame. It's provided for you 52 Sundays a year, absolutely free daycare for an hour. There it is. And the nursery, my goodness, they take them when they're still in diapers, they take them back there. 
You have no excuse. You can just come in here and listen to me scream and holler instead of your kids screaming and holler. Reminds me of one little boy. He, his mom asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to be a preacher. You'll be a preacher. He said, yeah. I said, that way I can get up there and stand in front of everybody and scream and holler and nobody gets on to me. <laughs> but providing spiritual direction in the home is vital. Absolutely vital. My dad was the interpreter of the family's moral code and sacred rituals, and he made sure that, he, if nothing else, his kids went to church every time the doors were open. I'm a product of the local church. Whether you like me or you don't like me, I'm a product of the local church. Many of you out there can say the same thing. That's why we're faithful to God's house in our latter years. It'd be real easy to stay home, wouldn't it? I mean, after all, I've heard sermons. I've been doing this for 40-something years. And I heard every, I've been going to that guy's church. I've heard everything he's got to say. I've heard all these corny jokes. You know, if they'll write more jokes, I'll tell more jokes. Y'all need to just send me jokes. I'd be more than happy to try them out on everybody. I think I'll just stay home. Oh, friend, listen, what you're, what you're missing by not attending the house of God. Number one, I'm encouraged when you're here. I'm encouraged. You want to encourage your pastor? You get out here and make yourself faithful to the house of God. Nothing encourages this preacher more than to see that God's people are being involved and working and, and praying and serving together and they're loving people and they're sharing Christ on the job and they're doing what God's called us to do as the body of Christ. You can't live this Christian life apart from the rest of the body. You just can't do it. No man's an island. God didn't intend that you get out there and do this on your own. He's created you for a relationship and fellowship. As your eyes have been created for sight and your ears created for healing, hearing you, my friend, are designed for fellowship and relationship. That's the way God made you. Unfortunately, each of these four roles I've given to you this morning have been ridiculed and attacked by people who are postmodernists and their allies in the media on the left. And as a result, many fathers have a poor concept of what they're supposed to do or to how to get it done. Some of them have surrendered their authority at home and are either altogether uninvolved or they're trying to nurture their children in ways that are more characteristic of mothers. They've been told they need to be more sensitive. They need to cry more often. Well, some guys it wouldn't hurt, I guess. But in effect, men are being pressed in our culture, they're being forced to be more like women. And women are supposed to be more like men. No wonder boys and girls are confused as to their gender identity. Which one am I? I don't know, I'm just gender fluid. This week I think I want to be a boy. So I'm going to go to the boys' bathroom at school this week. Next week I think I'm going to be a girl. So I'll be going to the girls' bathroom and... Uh, Girls changing rooms and all those kinds of things. That's kind of fun for a hairy-legged junior high boy to find out he can go to the girls' bathroom and not get in trouble for it. All right. Off the soapbox, back into the sermon. Here we go. You know, it's not inappropriate for a man to, to feel things deeply and to, and to reveal his inner passions and thoughts. I, it's one thing a woman needs in a marriage. She needs communication from her husband. That's one of the emotional needs a woman has. Guys, listen, if you're not willing to communicate with her, she will find someone to communicate with her. 
you won't listen to her, guess what? There's probably a hair-legged guy that works with her. He'll listen to her. Sits in the cubicle across the way from hers. He's real interested in everything she's got to say. Can you see danger approaching? Danger, Will Robinson, danger. Danger approaching. I'm just having fun up here this morning. Is that all right? Just, just kind of airing some things and venting a few things. Thank you for letting me do this. It's very therapeutic for me from time to time to do this. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's not inappropriate for a man to feel things deeply, to reveal his inner passions and thoughts and to cry and be emotional. Nothing wrong with that. Nor does he have to, to present a frozen exterior to the world around him. But at the same time, there needs to be a definite place in manhood for strength and confidence in the midst of a storm. That role falls more naturally to men. As a huge oak tree providing shelter and protection for all the living things that nest in its branches, so a strong man provides security and comfort for every member of his family. He knows who he is as a child of God. He knows what is best for his wife and his children. His sons need a, such a man to look up to and emulate. They disrespect a wimpy dad who's intimidated by a wife or whose emotions are hanging on their sleeves. Listen, guys, that's not speaking to your boys or your daughters either one. Okay. Now, this may sound corny and contrary to everything you've ever heard. If so, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry that you've heard it that way. Not sorry that I've said it, but men were designed to take care of the people they love, even if it involves personal sacrifice. When they fulfill that responsibility, their wives, their sons, their daughters usually have greater peace and greater harmony. Now I want to just bring this message to a close, if I may. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you do that, please, everybody? Dr. Michael Gurion said this. He said, every time you raise a loving, wise, and responsible man, you have created a better world for women. Women today are having to bond to half men with boys who are not fully introduced to manhood. They don't know how to bond. They don't know, whether, they don't know what their responsibilities are to humanity. They don't have a strong sense of service. So guys, it's up to us to provide for our home, for our family, for the church, to take our place as fathers, grandfathers, and men of God. Father, we lift up all of these wonderful men to you. We've prayed over them. We've sang together. We've worshiped the name of Jesus. We've shared from the scriptures, Lord, just a few uh, thoughts about fatherhood and this incredible day, this Father's Day. So I pray that on this Father's Day, you would give each of us a fresh, a fresh desire to serve, a fresh desire to follow after you, a fresh desire, Lord, to, uh, to see our way clear in, in paths that would be pleasing to you. <clears throat> Lord, we just ask these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. Now I want to show you a...
a video real quickly. It's just a song with some lyrics. You can take your seats if you'd like. I believe it's very poignant and it speaks to our message this morning. It's called Cats in the Cradle. 